0: You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. Hello, my name's Julie, and I'm one of the ministers at St John's Anglican Church. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of John today and doing what we call biblical storytelling. So where we look at the passage and ask five key questions about that passage, I'll come back to that shortly, but let's begin in prayer. Dear God, we draw near to you and trust that you'll draw near to us. As we look closer at your living word, would you reveal more of yourself through it? May it come alive to us in fresh ways, impacting and shaping our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, we're looking at the Gospel of John, and there's five key questions. These are questions, if you've never read the Word of God before, you could find a story about Jesus and ask these questions about about him, about God. They sort of help us to go a little bit deeper in our discipleship. You might also want to try it with your family or later on in the week. Let's start, the first question is what was weird and what was wonderful about this passage? The second question is what questions might you or your friends have? So as I'm reading this passage, I invite you to consider those two questions. We'll come back to it shortly. So John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, this is a story that's happened post the resurrection. So the death and the resurrection of Jesus has happened. And he's now uh, in various places showing himself to his disciples in resurrected form. That's where this one's set. We'll come back to that first question. What was weird and what was wonderful about this story? If you're watching on live, you can enter these in the comments as we go and share with others. But a couple of my initial um, observations were, how wonderful is humanity? How wonderful is their their honesty here about how they were feeling? They were hiding inside, locking the doors, scared of the Jewish leaders. And mind you, this is after they've heard the account about Mary and the empty tomb, And Mary's met that resurrected Jesus, but you remember last week where she thought he was a gardener. So she's come and told them they've seen the empty tomb. And what have they done? They've raced back into Jerusalem amongst all the crowds of people from Passover and locked themselves in a room, probably figuring out their next step. They were scared. Thank God that this part wasn't edited out of the text. Because it helps me when I'm feeling scared to look on Jesus' followers and go, they felt scared, mightily scared at times as well. What about what was weird? First observations. Personally, the doors were locked and Jesus walked through the walls. Did you get that bit? That's a bit weird. I want to know what happened there and can we expect a similar, is it okay for us to ask a similar miracle at some stage in our life to see that? Maybe you were a bit struck by the fact he showed his hands and his side where the the nails were nailed into his uh, hands and his wounds on the side had been pierced. There were scars there in his resurrected body. What did you notice? And what questions might you or your friends have about this passage? Was it the part right at the end? What's this about them forgiving the sins of others? Or was it verse 21? Jesus says, my father sent me and I am sending you. Sending me where, you might ask? Or how did Jesus get through that locked door? And will we ever see the same thing? I'm going to read it one more time and I want you to think a bit more about it with this context in mind. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Comes to our third question. What do we learn about people through this passage? Perhaps you, like me, kind of see yourself in those disciples. People are the same then and now. Their leader had been executed They were likely staying in the middle of a very busy Jerusalem with a lot of Passover pilgrims around them walking the streets. It would have been quite easy to find them and kill them if the leaders had so desired to. And then they just heard about Mary's testimony that she'd seen the risen Jesus and he'd told her to tell them that he was ascending to his father and to meet them in a place. I would have been bewildered and confused and tried to process. What is, what does this all mean? Are we safe? What's coming next? The disciples, of course, had witnessed that empty tomb themselves and seen the grave clothes. And no doubt they were just confused and and fearful. But in the second half of this passage, we see that they encounter the risen Jesus. They're overfilled with joy. Their grief has turned to joy. And he says to them two different times, peace be with you. As we read a few passages ahead, it wasn't in today's reading, but even though they've encountered Jesus in risen form, they still go back to locking themselves in a room and feeling scared, working out what their next step's going to be. For some of them, they needed to see Jesus themselves. Thomas wasn't there, but he needed to see him for himself and put his finger into the hand to see that it was real. It's really permission giving, isn't it? And incredibly vulnerable at these as these uh, disciples, these friends of Jesus, have their lives laid bare for history to then read back in the future and see. Where would you place yourself in this narrative? We'll come back to this because beyond fear, there is something more beautiful and mysterious than first meets the eye. In their fear, God gives them a focus beyond themselves, and it causes them to be stunningly alive and fulfilled. We'll see that shortly. Question four, what do we learn about God and Jesus? Now, there's a lot to say here. In fact, I think this is one of the key questions for this week. What do we learn about God or Jesus in this passage? Number one, this is one of many physical resurrection appearances after he rose from the dead. He presumably walks through the walls because after all, the doors are locked. He stands there in front of them amidst his people. He shows them his hands where the nails had pierced them. He shows them his side where he had been pierced. This is a physical resurrected body, and in that, prophecy has been fulfilled. It's often said that Jesus is the first fruits of what will happen to others who follow him. So it shows that one day we too will be resurrected in a physical form, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's mysterious and it's amazing all at the same time. And there's many, many uh, written examples of where he appeared to people, eating and drinking um, in physical form, and yet also able to come and go and walk through walls. The second thing I notice is what he said here. Now, two times he said, "Peace be with you." Shalom aleichem which is still in use today whenever Jewish people greet each other. Peace be with you. Now, if you go to Jerusalem and you hear this, it's more of a peace be with you in, in the way we might say, oh, g'day, how are you going? That kind of thing. But is Jesus really in his resurrected form seeing his disciples for the first time or many of them for the first time walking literally through a wall? Oh, g'day, how are you going? No, it's not that kind of greeting there's so much more in these special words of his these first words to them convey a major blessing and benefit of the cross of the risen lord jesus shalom a peace and a richness of life and the fullness of good life in god the eschatological kingdom has come meaning that new era of the kingdom has met This era now, the kingdom has come on earth then and now. He's saying this is the moment, this has happened. Peace and reconciliation between creator God and his creation has begun. Shalom be upon you, peace be upon you. It's kind of a bookend to his final words of it is finished on the cross. Peace be with you, it's begun. And it's also a prophetic fulfilment of his earlier words of peace I give you, peace I leave with you. Jesus did turn their grief to joy. In verse 21, again, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, what would it mean for you if Jesus said that to you today? Think about whatever you're doing this week and hear the words of Jesus to you for this week. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. They were, and you are, a sent one. Verse 21, as the Father has sent me, Jesus said. What what has the Father sent Jesus to do? Jesus was sent to make the Father known, to reconcile creation to the Creator. This was through proclaiming the forgiveness of sins, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, seeking out those on the margin, offering mercy, doing justice, setting the captives free, telling others of this good news, the Gospels are full of it. And our mission is to continue his mission as sent ones, of the heavenly father. How does that sit with you? I mean, for the week ahead, and what does it look like? A lady I uh, knew, no, used to sit with her weekly calendar on Sunday night, and she'd look at the week ahead. Now she was a CEO, is a CEO of her organization. And so she'd look through the appointments that she was having that week and look through her goals and objectives for the week. And she told me that she used to pray over each meeting she had. And she also used to ask God what was his purpose for each of those meetings, leaving room for him to step in and disrupt their plans or at least to whisper heaven's blueprint for that particular meeting. Maybe that's something you could do today. Look at your week ahead. Go, God, what are you doing in this week for these people? Let me pray for them before I even meet them. Another man I knew, he prayed at the beginning of each day, Holy Spirit, be my senior captain today and tell me what you're doing. He said he did that before he even got out of bed. That was his morning prayer. We are sent ones. The death and the resurrection of Jesus has led to many, many sent ones, continuing the very mission Jesus began. These sent ones make up his church. Now, if that sounds daunting to you, it probably did to the original disciples too. Because look what comes next, verse 22, if you've got it open in front of you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. How are we to walk as sent ones? It's through the Holy Spirit, his power at work within us. And this brings us to the fifth question. What difference could this make to your week ahead? You might have heard of Billy Graham. He was probably one of this last century's most famous uh, winner of people to Jesus. There were millions of people across the globe that have made a decision to follow Jesus because of his preaching and his life laid down to to preach and to share the good news with other people. And I read a story that in his final season of life, when he was more bedbound, people would come and visit him. And do you know the question he asked them? He didn't say, how many people have you led to Christ or who have you, who have you shared the gospel with this week? Which is amazing for such an evangelist that clearly that was front and centre of his own life mission. What he asked them was, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you continuing to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's so important to a life of following Jesus. And I ask you the same question. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And are you continuing to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The first time I really experienced the Holy Spirit was about two months after I'd chosen to become a Christian. I was in my bedroom by myself, and I had heard that a friend of mine had become a missing person in Australia. I didn't really know how to pray. I knew Christians did pray, but I didn't know what to say because I was quite new, and so I thought I'd better better kneel down. That seems to be what Christians do. And I started to try to pray, but I just didn't know what to say. Was my friend dead? Was she alive? I just didn't know. And so in that time of empathy and compassion and desperation for my friend, I said, God, would you help me pray? Would you speak through me in this this prayer? And as I prayed and asked God that, I could feel a tangible, something like oil or water fill me from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. There was a warm presence and a sense of deep peace as I knew somehow God was answering my prayer. When I went to pray, I prayed in what I call the gift of tongues. Now, we've covered that in other sermons, and you're welcome to go and check out that series. But God gave me a prayer language on that day that's continued since. There's many things that happen when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'd encourage you that it's not just a one-off event. When we become a Christian, God breathes breath like Jesus breathed breath into the lives of his disciples. But then we're encouraged to keep being filled. It's a daily thing. And so I find um, something called spiritual breathing. It's just a term, really. There's nothing formal about it, but it's a term I use called spiritual breathing, and it kind of reminds me that being filled with the Holy Spirit can happen anywhere. It's just like breathing, meaning you breathe out, maybe at the traffic lights, maybe before you have an important meeting, maybe when you catch yourself anxious or you've got a moment in the day, breathe out your anxieties, your thoughts, your cares, your joys. Breathe them out to the cross of Christ. Breathe them out to Jesus. And as you breathe in, ask him, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Speak through me. Fill me with your power, God. And then you ask God for the gifts or the things that you need at that time for what's right before you. Obviously, this could take a second, could take a minute. It can take as long as you want it to and as long as you have time to. But it's something as Christians that are sent ones, we're encouraged to do as part of our daily life. Try it today or through the week. I think I said there were five questions, but I'm going to add a bonus question there, which is, who might be encouraged to hear this story from you this week? You know what? The best way to find out about that is to ask God. God, who are you asking me to pass this forward to or to reach out to this week? I encourage you, ask him. See who comes to mind. See who comes onto your heart. Maybe it's not someone, the first person in your mind, but ask God, be led by his Holy Spirit and who he's prompting you to share this forward with. Maybe there's a friend that's full of fear and needs to know what Jesus says to her or him in that place. Maybe there's a Christian that's pondering what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have friends in lockdown and the thought of Jesus meeting them in that space is just so deeply encouraging to them. Jesus says to you, here's peace, here's shalom. He gives you, peace be with you. The utmost of God's blessing and good life is offered to you, is offered to them for their taking. You are a sent one, commissioned in Jesus to share the good news with them and with others. Let's get moving. There's a lot of work ahead of us in this. What's your next step? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled afresh. Be filled anew. Let's pray right now as we come to a close. Holy God, you sent Jesus, your resurrected son, and he met those disciples in the locked room. And just as you did that back then, you do that for all who desire that now you walk into locked hearts, you're in the middle of lockdown, you walk into any space, God, there's no, there's no padlock that could keep you out and all we need to do is ask you, Jesus, would you come into lives today in powerful ways? Would we know the resurrected Jesus even more? And Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh to be part of your sent ones worldwide, preaching the good news and sharing the kingdom, following through on the mission that Jesus came to reveal his heavenly father, our heavenly father, in amazing ways. Have a wonderful week. I'd love to hear what that's meant for you this week. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St John's Diamond Creek.